Are you ready for the end of the world? <laughs> you are listening to your community about caring and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. <laughs> Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is... We brought some birds and they're all happening outside. Yeah, like spring out there. <laughs> Talking. Yeah. Apparently, public commenting hold. Yep. This other note fracturing our environment. They have a, it's called. Yeah. Keeping safe. A message from safe. We were prepared to send out a newsletter, but then we saw this lay DNR, that's the Illinois Department of Nas website. A significant, a significant sound. This error will require us to publish again the public notice and send to the landowners the specific public notice. We understand that this change will also require us to cancel the public hearing date as well as set new dates for public comment and public hearing. End quote. Now, assuming that Woolsey Energy resubmits its application, there should be additional time now to submit public comments. So keep an uh, eye on the Illinois Department of Natural Resources webpage. And if you would like that link, send us an email, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Anything we talk about here, we tend to have links to pictures and videos and articles to back it up. But, you know, you can't see that unless you get the newsletter. Hmm, yeah. So the good news about that is we should have additional time for comments. I mean... The bad news, or the good news, depending on how you look at it, is that it seems like they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they, uh, they had the wrong, like, they, they have to say very specifically where they're going to drill the well. And they had something wrong with the details of that. So that was one of the errors that they had. So, so that's a pretty, they don't know where they're They don't know. They're like, eh, we'll drill a well somewhere in southern <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> Just like... Yeah. It does not inspire confidence, really. <laughs> I think in the next comment period, that could be one of the things that we comment on, saying, you know, do they even know where they're drilling? Um, well, they're not from here, so they probably don't. Yeah. So. All right, so in some other news. Now, I'm not a coffee drinker, but this is a pretty serious one for the coffee drinkers. We've got to use some coffee today. <laughs> uh, warming brews big trouble in coffee birthplace, Ethiopia. Global warming is likely to wipe out half of the coffee-growing area Wait a in second. Ethiopia. I don't drink coffee, <laughs> but you've just hit a lot of people across the face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> half of Ethiopians' coffee? Yeah, it's going to go away. And that's where coffee originally comes from. It's the birthplace of the bean. And this is according to a groundbreaking new study. Rising temperatures have already damaged some special areas of origin, with these losses being likened to France losing one of the, its great wine regions. Now, you know, what wine, they're very particular about growing in a certain region because the climate is just right there. And so it's similar with coffee. Like, people don't always know the names of the regions, but some of those regions are changing because of global warming. Ethiopia's highlands also host a unique treasure trove of wild coffee varieties, meaning new flavor profiles and growing traits could be lost before having been discovered. So there's wonderful, delicious coffees you may never taste. Thanks, global warming. However, the new research... I just wanted to say you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so the new research also reveals that if a massive program of moving 
plantations up hillsides to cooler altitudes. Hey, wait a second. Why are you thanking global warming? Shouldn't you be th- thanking the people for polluting? For polluting, yeah. And causing global warming. Yeah. So thank you, people, for eliminating coffee. Yeah. So well, th- thank you, that's, Exxon That's extremist. And and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Exxon and Shell and all of them have decided we shouldn't have any coffee. <laughs> wait a second. Why are we blaming it on them? We buy their product. Yeah, well, we're the consumers. We share in the responsibility. You, are we, you sure they, we're not the product? Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're the product they sell too, Exxon. <laughs> well, because with the marketing programs, they convince us that global warming isn't happening, and that's why we consume so much fossil fuel. So, yeah, it's all pretty complicated. Well, but this, now, now you're hitting the hipsters <laughs> in their face with no coffee. No coffee, yeah. That's I think they're going to stop driving cars. Yeah. Wait, hipsters already don't drive cars. They're cool, too cool for cars. <laughs> too cool for school. So now this is, it's interesting how the article presents this option of you could move uphill and still have some areas where you can grow coffee. So but if, trees can't move uphill. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Just like, You've got to plant new trees. And uh, so in the short term, that could be a solution. Uh, there's a pathway to resilience, even under climate change, said Aaron Davis at the Royal Botanic Gardens coup in the UK. But it is a hugely daunting task. Millions of farmers would have to change. However, by 2040, such moves uphill will have reached the top of Ethiopia's mountains. Quote, it literally reaches the ceiling because you don't have any higher places to go, Davis said. Now that's one thing that I often think about when people talk about adaptation is, yes, adaptation is possible and at this point necessary. In the short term. In the short term. But there are limits to it. You know, that coffee, if you move the coffee uphill, it can only go so high until it hits the top of the mountain. And then <laughs> what are you going to do? Have, like, space Fall colonies the, yeah. of, of co- coffee, you know, people, giant balloons? Well, that's what people think, <laughs> that there will be a technological fix that will swoop in and save us from our colossal mess. Yeah. It's just like, I haven't cleaned up the planet all these years. We'll just hire a cleaning company. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the sort of thing you want to plan in advance for, like, you know, like, not get to that point and say, oh, we've ruined everything. Can we fix it? Maybe. Let's find out. <laughs> so the impacts of global warming are already being seen as temperatures have been rising steadily in Ethiopia for decades. Farmers report a longer, more extreme dry season and more intense rains in wet season with good harvests much less frequent in their parents' and grandparents' time. So I would, I would like to see, I've seen a lot of charts and graphs related to the climate. I would like to see a chart of one axis being the emissions and the other axis being the cost of coffee. Yeah, just <laughs> I like, think that's someone that's, that's going to wake up a lot of people. Like, you know, if we emit this much, coffee will skyrocket to, I don't know, $50 for a cup of coffee. <laughs> then people will be like, whoa, I can't lose my coffee. I'll do something about global warming. Well, here's another way rich people can do something about global warming. <laughs> yeah. BMW tests electric cars as power grid stabilizers. In an important real-world test of whether electric cars could play a bigger role in backing up the green power grid of the future, a group of San Francisco area drivers showed that they were willing and even eager to adjust their charging times for the right financial in- incentives. The small but sophisticated pilot test that took place over 18 months. During that time, BMW asked owners of its electric cars if they would be willing to delay recharging them by an hour hmm. on the company's queue. Yeah. 
An app notified the owners when a delay was coming and they could opt out if they needed to charge at that time. So Wait a second. This is a sophisticated pilot project? Yeah. They're asking them to delay, delay charging, charging the car for an hour. It's so sophisticated that they have to like drive their car in and then go inside, like have a snack, and then come back out to their car to plug it in. Yeah. I th- you think the car would be sophisticated enough that you could just program it to, to wait? Maybe that's what's sophisticated about it. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things is that if it is currently charging, it does tell it to wait. Um, so that is that does take a little bit of programming expertise, I'm sure. It's interesting, though. This like They're not actually like drawing out of the batteries to get the power, but by delaying charging for an hour, they're reducing the load at that time. Mm-hmm. So then it's sort of almost the same as if they were drawing on a battery. So here's a quote. 18 months later, I can unequivocally state that participation was transparent, hassle-free, and mind-numbingly dull (laughs) to the point I almost forgot about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) End quote. One participant, John Higgum, wrote in a first-person account of his experience for inside EVs. Yeah. That's one of those rare cases where (laughs) mind-numbingly dull is a ringing endorsement. (laughs) (laughs) They're saying, oh, it's so dull, I hardly even noticed I was doing it. So the trial led BMW and Pacific Gas and Electric, the utility for Northern California, to suggest that if electric vehicles become as popular as expected, electric vehicle demand management could become a powerful tool for supporting grid flexibility. Quote, the overall lesson is we can use resources like electric vehicles to help support the grid during times of peak use, said Ari Venerin, uh, spokesperson for PG&E, the utility. Renewable energy experts have long held the theory that electric vehicles will pay, play a momentous role in helping the electric grid to become more flexible. Mm-hmm. So it's electric the vehicles, version of yoga. <laughs> yeah, just like electric vehicles could be deployed to buffer uneven power generation of wind and solar. Owners might, for example, wait to charge their cars until the heat, the the height of the day when solar is most plentiful and cheapest. Or they may delay their charging during peak hours in the early evening when the grid is under the most stress. Yeah. So. It's an interesting idea. I mean, my, my thing is you get up in the morning and you tell your car how many miles you need to drive. And it, you know, only charges enough that you have enough to make it. Yeah. Right? Maybe a little extra. (laughs) In case you swing by to go get some donuts or something. Well, here's the thing. I visited my friends in Atlanta, and they have one of those uh, Leafs, 100% electric car. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you've been to Atlanta, but the traffic there is atrocious. When I went to leave there Monday morning at 7 a.m., I pulled out my GPS to see how long it would take to get home, and it said there'd be an hour and 42-minute delay. (laughs) Going around Atlanta. So that's uh, the main, yeah. you know, the Atlanta. loop around the city. Yeah. And so, of course, I waited two hours, and then there was only a 20-minute delay going. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. Driving their Leaf, it's all electric car. Anytime they stop the car, it's not using any energy. Yeah. And so we literally drove to go out to a Thai restaurant, and it said they had 24 miles on the car. And because of stop and grow traffic, and then, of course, when you go downhill, it recharges. 
we came back to the house and it had 25 miles left on it. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. I was just like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, cause they, they talked about, you know, um, will we have enough? Do I have to plug it in to charge it? And you know, he's, I, you know, I questioned him. I was like, you only have 24 miles. He's like, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, and he fine. literally came back with a mile more on the chart because of all the up and down hills and the stop and go traffic. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty impressive. Yep. Um, I wonder, too, if a similar program would be possible or practical with the uh, charging of smaller devices. Now, I, I, they're focusing on cars because cars have such big batteries. But, you know, if you could time your laptop battery or your phone battery to charge differently in order to help the grid. I mean, they're much smaller, but if there are millions of them. Well, I remember reading a statistic that everybody's phone charger that's plugged in the wall without the phone hooked to it. Yeah. requires a power plant to keep that powered up. <laughs> it's a phantom load. It just constantly uses energy, even if your phone's not plugged in. Yeah. Yeah, I need to be mindful of that. I've yeah. started doing that again, leaving it in. <laughs> yeah, well, um, so. yeah, I just have a plug strip. When I leave the house, I flip that plug strip off and it shuts off. You can actually get one that is tied into your light switch, oh, like yeah. right next to your light switch that wirelessly turns off that particular plug. Yeah. So as you leave the house, you just flip off the power switch and it turns off that plug for, you know, um, whatever you have plugged into that plug. So that's a good plan. Yep. So chasing away those phantom power loads. Are you ready for more heat? <laughs> Not yet. I like this cool air, but they don't have the choice in the Southwest right now. Uh, Southwest deadly heat wave previews life in a warming world. The extreme heat baking in the south. You have to start saying extreme, like extreme heat. <laughs> yeah. It makes it sound, you know, I don't know, funner. I guess I've become desensitized to it, but yeah, I've got to bring the, yeah, bring the extreme back to it. <laughs> the extreme heat baking in the southwestern U.S. isn't finished yet. The National Weather Service issued an excessive heat warning uh, today for parts of Southern California and Arizona, including Phoenix, through Monday saying temperatures are forecast to reach 108 to 118 degrees each day. Actually, for Phoenix, that's low right now because they've been having over 120 degrees pretty much all week. Yeah. So if it actually hits that temperature, they'll be like, ooh, it's cool. We don't... <laughs> oh, refreshing. I mean, I've seen pi friends posting pictures where they're like, you know, c um, cooking things in the back window of their car. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Uh, in its alert, the Weather Service warned of a major increase in the potential for heat-related illness and even death. That's now, that's a quote. Yeah, that's a quote from the Weather Service. That, yeah, you don't want to hear that one. Yeah. Uh, the week has provided a preview of the risks scientists warn are ahead as greenhouse gas emissions continue to raise global temperatures. Now, that's one of the things that happens in these warmer areas is warmer areas are getting warmer than they are now. So if you used to only have a couple of 120-degree days, you'll have even more uh, due to global warming. Thermometers in Phoenix area edged up to around 120 degrees for three straight days this week. Flights were grounded as the rising temperatures decreased the air density. I never even thought of that. Yeah, you, know, if you don't have so any <laughs> air to hold up the plane. Yeah, it's getting so hot that the airplanes don't want to fly. And the city's main burn treatment center saw twice its usual number of patients with burns caused by walking barefoot on hot pavement. Now, I could watch for that one. I walk barefoot, and I have to be mindful of not burning my feet. You know, luckily, we're not at 120 degrees here in southern Illinois. But once it gets up that high, 
You've got to be mindful of it. Or getting into cars that have been heating in the sun. Yeah, that's another one. We Even around here, we get a lot. If it's been in the sun and you touch metal, you can burn yourself. Several heat-related deaths were reported in the Las Vegas area in Cal- and in California. California, where San Diego County set a record at 124 degrees, some communities faced power outages as air conditioners ran nonstop. Now, that's sort of a double whammy. It's so hot that you're using the air conditioners more, but then the air conditioners knock out the power, and then you're stuck in that heat without air conditioning. Arizona Utility APS set a record for power demand and said it would have been even higher without the recent increase in rooftop solar, which has added more midday power for homes and businesses. Quote, heat waves like the one we're seeing in the southwest are becoming much more frequent. I need a... I need a- point out that this was a utility that two years ago was adamantly against solar yeah so for to hear them say this i mean it's not a direct quote here but apparently yeah so apparently they they are saying yeah yeah (laughs) so now that it's saving their butts in the middle of winter or summer sorry you're just dreaming aren't you yeah winter (laughs) yeah i'm dreaming of you know having nice cool winter days all right so Looking forward, they expect the amount of extreme heat on the planet to continue as increasing even more. So, yeah, the heat is going to get hotter due to global warming. Now, some people are doing something about it. And when I say people, I mean children. Yeah. You know they are people too, right? A trial date set for the children's climate lawsuit against the government. Hmm. A federal judge has set a trial date for the landmark lawsuit brought by 21 children and young adults over the U.S. government's alleged failure to rein in fossil fuel development and address climate change. That's right. The trial will be set on February 5th, 2018. It's not too late, folks. Hmm. In a federal district court in Eugene, Oregon with Judge Ann Eichen, court documents show. Filed in 2015, the lawsuit, Juliana against the United States, seeks sweeping changes in federal climate change efforts and in government programs that subsidize or foster the development of fossil fuels. A decision on the lawsuit by Judge Aiken could come once the trial ends sometime in the spring of 2018. Although the case is expected to be appealed by both sides, possibly all the way to the Supreme Court, likely delaying the final outcome for years. But that's not the issue. In my opinion, the issue is here people are saying, you are killing us, right? Yeah. These kids are saying, well, let me keep reading before (laughs) I get all editorializing. Its advancement to trial means that decades of federal policy on fossil fuels and climate change, including information that had previously been unknown or hidden, could come under public scrutiny. The judge also granted a request made in late May by the country's biggest fossil fuel lobbies to withdraw from the case. (laughs) Yeah. In November 2015, the American Petroleum Institute, API, the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers, AFPM, and the National Association of Manufacturers, NAM, joined the federal government's side of the case as interveners. 
explaining that the lawsuit was a direct threat to their businesses. So they're admitting that if we do something about global warming, it's going to affect their business model. (laughs) The interveners and the Justice Department repeatedly filed motions to have the case dismissed, but federal judge ruled against them and allowed the lawsuit to proceed. The plaintiffs in Juliana argue that the federal government has known for at least 50 years that the combustion of fossil fuels add carbon dioxide to the atmosphere and changes the climate. Because it chose not to limit fossil fuel use and cut greenhouse gases, the government violated the plaintiff's right to protection from environmental degradation under the trust doctrine. The suit alleges, quote, The overwhelming public trust resource in our country's life-sustaining climate system, which encompasses our atmosphere, the Juliana pleading says, As sovereign trustees, defendants have a duty to refrain from substantial impairment of these essential natural resources, end quote. Yeah, just imagine if there had been uh, government action 50 years ago to do something about climate change, back before it was even really widely discussed publicly as an issue. You know, there was evidence for it, so imagine if they'd taken action back then. Well, this would be similar as if the government knew that tobacco caused cancer and kept it hidden. And, you know, actively lobbied on the side of the tobacco companies to keep them in business. Yeah. And um, and so that's what they're alleging here. Wait a second. Why am I saying alleging? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a lawsuit. So, you know, it, it's it's just an allegation until it's had its day in court. <laughs> but we will definitely follow that story. It can have huge implications on public policy because if they decide... The U.S. government was in error and it was at fault, then that might change policies today. Like, they'll probably, they might get damages too for whoever's doing this, but the big thing is that it's going to change policy. So, you would hope so. I mean, the the kids and the youth of our country are, are blaming the adults for, well, screwing them over, you know, and they're taking them to court. There's like, you did not think of us kids. You were too busy counting your money. Yeah. And so they will have their day in court. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will be following this because it's hilarious. Yeah. We're almost out of time. So let's breeze through some of these holidays. Uh, Meteor Day. I believe that's the day we survived not being struck by a giant meteor. (laughs) Creative Ice Cream Flavors and International Joke Day. See if you could blend those two together. (laughs) Yeah. World UFO Day coming up on Sunday, so try not to get abducted. Build a Scarecrow Day is the same one. It's like... Scare away the UFOs. Yeah, let let the Scarecrow get abducted instead. (laughs) Compliment your Mirror Day and Disobedience Day, which is also stay out of the Sunday. Yeah. Tuesday is Independence Day, the 4th of July. From what country? Oh, wait. (laughs) United States. We sometimes talk about Independence Day of other countries. Yeah. It's also Sidewalk Egg Frying Day. And Wednesday is National Bikini Day and Workaholics Day. And International Kissing Day and National Fried Chicken Day. Guess what? July is here. National Blueberry Month, National Anti-Boredom Month, Unlucky Month for Weddings Month. (laughs) (laughs) Just like um, And, of course, National Picnic Month. Yes. 
beautiful right. day for a picnic. In Happenings. Happenings. Rainbow Cafe annual yard sale is coming up on Saturday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. at the Giant City Plaza, 1320 South Giant City Road, Suite F. Uh, Rainbow Cafe is having their yard sale. Uh, they are still collecting last-minute donations. If you want more information, you can email fundraising at rainbowcafe.org. And that supports all of the good programs they do for uh, LGBT youth. Fresh Fitness every Saturday from 10 until 11 a.m. in Turley Park for the months of June and July during the Carbondale Farmer's Market. There is a cash donation suggested, but please come. Experience is not required. All right. The Peace and Justice Vigil, Creating Real Democracy in America. It's coming up on Saturday from noon to 1 p.m. at the Carbondale Town Square. Uh, their focus is on celebrating the eve of Independence Day by calling for a re-energized democracy that protects voting rights and ballot access, ballot integrity, fair media access, and other issues important to citizens of a democratic republic, or an oligarchy that pretends to be a democratic republic. <laughs> <laughs> so that is coming up on Saturday, noon to 1 p.m. at the town Square. The first Sunday Labyrinth Walking Meditation will be this Sunday, July 2nd, from 8.30 to 9 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park, which is at 913 South Illinois Avenue, just north of Gaia House. Also coming up, continuing the conversation on Tuesday at 7 p.m. over at the Newman Center. Each week, a group of Southern Illinois residents meets Tuesday 7 to 9 for continuing the conversations. To bring together an interracial community, they first listen respectfully to each other's life stories. With weekly meetings, they saw strangers become like-minded comrades in arms, and they built a community that has strengthened understanding and compassion for one another. Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Newman Center. Carbondale's Main Street Brown Bag Concert Series. Every Wednesday at noon at the Carbondale Town Square Pavilion through the month of July. Carbondale Main Street hires a different local band each week and also purchases a gift card to raffle off for free to attendees. I won like one year huh. or one year, one time. Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> they probably only allow me to win once a year. So. <laughs> yeah, music and stuff to win. And here's Cool Spoons fundraiser for the Women's Center. This is coming up on Wednesday from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. over at Cool Spoons Frozen Yogurts and Treats. Cool Spoons will donate 10% of all proceeds to the Women's Center on Wednesday. 5 to 10. Mark your calendar. The Eco Theater Camp, July 10th through the 21st at the Flyover Center in Washington Street Gardens. And right now, there's the Champion Tree Contest through July 28th. Keep Carbondale Beautiful is looking for the largest examples of 10 different native trees around town. Yes, and keepcb.org. You have been listening to Your Community Spirit on Your Community Radio. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we got here right on time, five seconds before the top of the hour. <laughs> you are listening to WDBX. We've been on the air 18 years. Yes. Mm-hmm.